Steve Thomas, uh, leader of the International Family of Salt Lake Churches, is going to come and speak. And God bless you, Steve. Thank Let's you pray very for much, you. David. Thank you. Father, we are so privileged to have Ron and Steve come into our lives all these years and into our family of churches. And Lord, as Steve speaks this morning, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you would say for the next hundred years, to hear what you would say for today and tomorrow in our lives, to hear your word for our family and our friends and our co-workers. Would you bless Steve and give him the ability to communicate what's on your heart today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, David. Well, it's really, really good to be with you uh, this morning on this special occasion, and Ron and I are very glad to be here together uh, because we haven't been able to, obviously, for the last couple of years. Um, I apologize that my wife was not able to come. She was planning to come with me from the UK, but on Tuesday went down with some sort of bug. Uh, and, you know, we prayed furiously against it for 24 hours, and then the following day ended up going to the doctors and getting some anti antibiotics as well. You know, just a few aids to divine healing we all need, don't we, from time to time. But uh, anyway, she still wasn't able to come, um, but she sends her love to you all. I spoke to her this morning. I think she's doing a little bit better. Uh, I'm sorry that I am also infected with COVID. Uh, you know, you know what it's like, and I know the message has gone out, so, you know, we, we did reveal my identity. It wasn't just some mystery person is infected, I'm infected. Um, you know how it is, you've tested yourself for, you know, a couple of years at various points when you've moved here and there and been involved with different people, and I'm thrice vaccinated and all the rest of it, but... And I, I've had no problem at all. And uh, then I get selected for a random test uh, as I was coming through immigration on Thursday. And uh, yesterday, uh, the results came through that I was positive. So I apologize for that. Uh, and I will keep wearing my mask through the rest of the, the day, but not now, because I understand it's easier for you to read my lips, because some of you think I have an accent. Uh, but I'm, anyway, we won't go there. Uh, I'm, I'm English, and I speak English. Anyway, never mind. I understand, I understand accents uh, can be a little bit tricky, and it's probably easier for me not to wear a mask while I'm speaking. Um, it is delightful to be here and to, you know, as you celebrate 100 years of history, of God's faithful people witnessing in this part of the city of Vancouver. Uh, and that's not insignificant, is it? I mean, the trouble is, we're not very well connected to history sometimes, and we, you know, we think about our bit of it, but uh, it's like we don't always get the full sweep. And one of the things that my wife Lorraine and I do enjoy doing is going to various historic churches in Europe where actually people have been praying for hundreds of years. You know, they've been built a couple of thousand years ago or something like that. And you go into these places and, and you sense the presence of God and you sense that, you know, people have called down the presence of God and, and have lifted up his name in these places. And it's hugely, hugely important and we're not simply celebrating a series of events when we think about history, but we're celebrating God's goodness 
We're celebrating God's kindness to his people, a message of salvation that's gone out into the city, moves of God in revival, which have been so, so significant uh, in this place. And we're also celebrating the faithfulness of many people who stood for many years uh, for the Lord Jesus. And hopefully we gain inspiration from that, because sometimes we can, you know, look at our little history and occasionally we're tempted to give up or do we keep going or whatever. But it's good to put our small sort of lives in the context of something much bigger, isn't it? And say we're, we're part of a marvelous testimony of God's people throughout centuries, of people who stood for Christ and who've upheld his name. And we want to be one of those many witnesses also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, you know, that's, and that's our call, that's our great call to be one of this great company. And one of the things I love to think about uh, is, you know, is even on a Sunday like today, the, the song of praise to God that is going round the world. People start a lot earlier uh, than we do in the day, and the, and the song of praise rises to God, and then it gets taken up all the way across the world as God's people join in his praise because he's worthy of it all. Amen. So it's great to be here, and we don't treat it lightly. Now, I want to read just a few verses from John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles with you, please take them out. If you have it on your phones, please take those out. Um, and I'm one who still likes the book, uh, and, and I have a big Bible. Somebody said to me one day as I walked into a church meeting, that's a very big Bible, Steve. And, and I felt a bit sort of embarrassed, you know, should I just make do with my phone? And then I, I, I had one of those moments of inspiration. I said, well, I'm not ashamed of it. So there we go. So anyway, uh, there you go. John chapter 20, just a few verses uh, from this chapter. Now, I'm very, very mindful. You know, when you come into a sort of situation what you're thinking about is, God, what are you saying to this church? What are you saying to this people? And, you know, you're mindful of 100 years history and all the different thoughts and stories that are going to, you know, be rehearsed over this time. But we're part of a much bigger story than that. And the bigger story is about Jesus. I'm very, very mindful that last weekend was Easter weekend when we celebrated the victory of the cross uh, you know, one of the things about many of our evangelical churches is we often don't celebrate as much as we should on Good Friday. But the cross is a place of victory. It's a place of power, and it's a place of salvation. And it need, you know, we need not to wait till Easter Sunday to celebrate the power of the cross. And then on, on Easter Sunday, we have the power of the resurrection, where Jesus burst forth in glorious light from this tomb that he was encased in in order to pay the price for the sins of the world. And he broke out and he defeated sin and death and Satan once and for all. Last weekend is the most powerful weekend that we celebrate of our church history, of the history of of Jesus Christ. So it's very, very powerful. And I'm very mindful that this weekend is the weekend after. And so I want to read these very few verses about Jesus who has 
broken the power of sin and death and Satan once and for all, broken out of the tomb, but his disciples are still a mess. And they don't quite understand what's going on, and they don't know quite what to do with all of this. And so Jesus comes to meet with them. And the title that I've given to what I want to say today is simply meeting the risen Jesus. But when you meet the risen Jesus, you understand that he has purpose for meeting us. So I want us to imagine you know, all of those events of last weekend, and then Jesus comes to meet with us. So what does he want with us as his church? Yes, we can celebrate history. Yes, we can celebrate the past. But what would he be saying to us now if he were here? Well, he is here. So he's got things to say to us now. So let's read these verses. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. I'm going to try not to breathe on you today, but <laughs> Jesus wants to breathe on you today. And he wants to breathe his powerful spirit on every single one of us here today. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Well, just going back a moment, this had been some weekend. Jesus dies and is buried on the Friday, but on the Sunday morning, his body's disappeared. Consternation all around. Until eventually it becomes clear that Jesus is not dead, as they thought he was, because they sought him to find him at the tomb. He wasn't dead. And his body hadn't just disappeared, but he's alive. Which now evokes all sorts of other questions. How will the Jewish leaders react to this? How will Roman leaders react to this? What should the disciples do? How do they conduct themselves? So they meet together, because at least there's some strength and security and togetherness, but they lock the doors. That tells you how secure they're feeling. 
Now here they are meeting behind locked doors, in fear, pretty anxious, <laughs> probably several opinions amongst them as to what they should do, and you know, you've got the bullish ones who want to get there, out there and tell everybody, and you've got the cautious ones who aren't so sure, because this is ordinary people we're talking about. <laughs> here they are, anxious about what to do, asking questions, discussing the situation, maybe praying a bit, and suddenly Jesus comes and he stands amongst them. Locked doors are no problem to Jesus. You understand that. You can't keep the risen Lord Jesus out. Amen. Hallelujah. And he declares, the first thing he says is, peace be with you. Boy, did they need some peace at this moment of time. They were all over the place. Some of us try and keep our emotions pretty sort of, you know, under control, don't we? But, but you know, in this sort of situation, it's pretty difficult, and things do get out one way or another, and we show what's really going on. Their, their emotions were all over the place. They were in emotional turmoil, not knowing quite what to do or to think. They're full of amazement, and yet they're overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> so Jesus says, peace be with you. Now, I want just to unwrap this phrase for a moment. Because he's not just saying to them, calm down, calm down. One of the worst things that people can say to you is calm down. I've tried to do that to my wife sometimes. <laughs> you know, maybe we lose something even in the house, you know, the checkbook disappears or something like that, and, and I say to my wife, don't worry, it'll turn up. That's the worst thing I can say to my wife. She becomes a heat-seeking missile until she finds this thing that's lost, and she will not be at peace no matter what I say, just to try and calm her down, because I'm, for my own reasons, not that interested, or, you know, this gets in the way of what I, my program, or, do you understand what I'm talking about? No, thank you. It's not just, calm down, don't worry. This, no, Jesus is not saying that. This is hugely important. Hugely important, because he wants to come, and he does want to bring reassurance, but he wants to bring far more than reassurance. And actually, you know, in almost the next breath, he says, peace be with you. In other words, he's repeating and underlining. You know, I, I, I really want to bring you away from all of this anxiety problem, difficulty that you feel, not knowing what to do or how to relate to all this, and then he, he breathes in his spirit. Now, when Jesus breathes his spirit in, he, he doesn't, he's not just sort of issuing words. Well, calm down, don't worry. He's breathing in something that is solid. It's an impartation. It's substantial. So he breathes his spirit in. So what he's really wanting them to be is, not just have a few uh, thoughts that are a bit better organized than they were before, 
but he wants to breathe into his people a tremendous sense of shalom. Now, the shalom of God, shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, if anybody doesn't know it. The shalom of God was something that the Jews understood probably far better than we do. When we talk about peace, it's an absence of war or not being, not having trouble around or whatever it may be. That's not how the Jews think about shalom. When God breathes his peace into people, it changes everything. It changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you feel. It changes the emotions that are going on. It changes your anxiety about the future because he is imparting something of himself into you which changes you. It's not just a pat on the head. Don't worry about a thing. There, there. It's not that sort of thing at all. And so he's breathing his peace in, which is to change them and to transform them and to help them to think differently, feel differently, behave differently, because God himself has come and has settled on them and settled their troubled hearts and settled their troubled minds and changed how the future looks and filled them with confidence because the risen Lord Jesus is there. And in the next breath, and I don't know whether they wanted to hear this at all, in the next breath, he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Ha! Ah. Here they are, huddled behind locked doors, and God says, well, I'm really glad to be here with you, out. Out you go. Well, what are we going to do about the Romans? What are we going to do about the Jews? How should we relate to them? How should we relate to them? Out. And my full title for this morning's message is simply Meeting the Risen Jesus Sent Out on Mission. These two things go together. When you meet the risen Jesus, you understand you're sent out on mission. You didn't, don't meet the risen Jesus just to sit here and enjoy fellowship and praise and worship, although we enjoy all of those things, but we meet the risen Jesus and we get sent out on mission. <laughs> Thank you. Well, some of the people are happy about that. But we're not all happy about that, because it's risky and challenging. Uh, you know. Now, I want to talk for just the next few minutes about this sending of God. Uh, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I want to talk about it, too. I think the last couple of years have been troublesome for all of us. The COVID pandemic how do we behave? How do we live? Vaccine, non-vaccine, with people, masks, not with masks. Do we come to church? Do we stay on Zoom? Do we do this? Do we do that? And it has been, it's been a bit of a nightmare for many churches to manage. 
and it's been very hard work. And if your leaders <laughs> have managed well the life of the church, please appreciate them. I have said, oh, Linda's about to appreciate them. Okay, go on, please appreciate them. I don't actually lead a local church these days, and I have said to a number of my friends who are leading local churches, I am so glad I'm not leading a local church. That may sound just a little bit smug and complacent. It's not supposed to. It's just, frankly, the number of changes that the leaders have had to make as they go along, the rubrics they've had to lead, read about the rules here and the rules there and the regulations here and the regulations there, you know, it's... it's it's been hard work and now what we're experiencing is a regathering of church oh hallelujah we can sing without masks I mean the months that we sang with masks on over our way was just a pain in the neck you know, and you're, you're singing, as you sort of take a breath, your mask comes into your mouth. <laughs> you sort of, you know, almost swallow this thing, and you think, when can we get rid of this and praise God properly? You know, it's been a nightmare, hasn't it? And, you know, it, we've been all over the place, and who really likes Zoom meetings? Not a single hand has gone up. Did you, did you know I was inviting you to indicate something there? No. I mean, we all have appreciated, I've appreciated, instead of, you know, I, I've been able to talk to people internationally for two years, and when I haven't been able to visit them at all, that's been a great blessing. I'm so grateful for all of that, but it's better to be here, <laughs> you know. And, and so we've been through this time of immense shaking, and if we're not careful, now we're in this time of regathering and we say, isn't this wonderful? Lock the doors. Let's enjoy ourselves. But the risen Lord Jesus is here. And he doesn't want the doors locked. Because he's here in the power of his resurrection life. And he wants to get that out into God's world. And he wants to breathe his Holy Spirit upon us in fresh ways so that we're empowered to go for him. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just unwrap this sending thing a little bit. Because Jesus is the first sent one. So... If you really want to know what the sending is about, it's about joining Jesus. Because he was the first one sent. I think you will recognize this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus is the first one sent from the Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> he came to bring us life. He came to rescue us. Uh, he's our rescuer. And by the way, he's still the rescuer of the world. <laughs> Jesus was sent to save. He was sent to save. Luke chapter 19, verse 9, when uh, the story is told of Jesus meeting Zacchaeus. 
and saying to him, I think I need to come to your house. Jesus doesn't just want to visit us in churches, he wants to visit us in our houses. And he wants to come to our house and he wants to make a difference to our family. And he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus had this profound encounter with Jesus and Jesus said, when Zacchaeus had made all the moves he had to make of repentance and all the rest, it's, Jesus said, for today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. He's a person with faith in his heart. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the profound tragedy of this world, but I don't have time, and I want us to have enough time to pray for the people we're going to pray for this morning. But the profound tragedy of people living in this world, God's world, who are totally lost. We don't know who they are, why they're here, what they were created for, or what their reference points are living in a confused world with a confused culture, not knowing what direction to take or how best to work out life. It is a profound tragedy. Jesus was sent to save the lost. And his passion today is to save the lost. So, Jesus came, sent from the Father, first one sent, right? He then calls 12 disciples to himself. This is spoken about in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 14. He called 12 disciples to himself, and he said, it says he called them for two things. He called them to be with him and to send them out. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're called to two things, <laughs> to be with Jesus and to be sent out. Join the club. That's what Jesus came from the comfort of heaven for. <laughs> you know, to be sent to reach the lost. Jesus calls 12 disciples to be with him and to send them out. Sometimes we get very, you know, what's discipleship all about? Well, it's about, you know, learning what the whole Bible says and what this theology is and what that theology is and learning about good character and all the rest of it. Well, of course it is, but Jesus puts it much more simply than that. He says, he calls us to be with him and to send us out. That's discipleship. Be with Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, live with Jesus, walk with Jesus, and then be sent out into his world. So, in Luke chapter 9... Jesus sends out 12 disciples. He starts the sending. He's called them. They already knew. In fact, it says he designated them apostles. You know what an apostle is? Apostle is a sent one. You're all apostles sent into the world. God wants an apostolic church. Okay, so we're all, he wants to send us all out into his world. So he called his disciples, Luke chapter 9, sent them out. Luke chapter 10, a very odd thing happens. He sends out another 72. We have no idea where this next 72 came from. I mean, we've heard about the training of the 12, but we haven't really heard about where these 72 were. But clearly, Jesus was training more than 12. 
and he had more disciples than the 12. So Jesus is thinking long term <laughs> or strategically or how can we cover more ground? Right? So he sends out Luke chapter 9, sends out 12. Luke chapter 10, well, let's send out a few more, <laughs> like 72. Can you hear what I'm saying? And now in John chapter 20, he comes back to these muddled, confused disciples whose emotions are all up the creek, who are trying to work out what's going on. He says, nice to see you. <sighs> I'm breathing my spirit into you. It's going to settle everything. It's going to change everything. It's going to empower everything. Your weakness is going to be transformed into strength because I want to send you out. Now, if we're celebrating anything after this, you know, 100 years of people sort of calling God down here and being witnesses into this community around here and all the rest of it, we celebrate by saying, risen Lord Jesus, send us out too. Send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, he's repeating their call. He wants, you know, okay, we've been through a rough time together. Right, you didn't know what was going on when I died. You probably don't know what to do now. I'm risen. You know, I'm not going to do it all myself. You're going. And so he repeats the call. He repeats the anointing, and he sends them out again. I want to suggest to you, in this time of regathering, after all the turbulence of COVID, it's not a regathering for a comfortable, peaceful, oh, isn't it nice to be back together? But a regathering and a refocusing and a re-empowering to be sent out again in the power of God to lost people in this world. And here's three final points I want to make about this. Number one. You don't have to be really healthy, fixed, or sorted to be sent out by Jesus to respond to his call. That's a lie of the enemy. You know, once I'm, I've got through this bad patch in my life, or once I've got through this muddle in my life, or once I've sorted my emotions out after all the ups and downs of the last couple of years, and so on, so on then I can go out. Now, that's a lie. Jesus comes and says, ah, nice to see you. You're all in a bit of a mess, aren't you? <sighs> Out. And I want to suggest to you that, you know, we are in a moment going to pray for people. Ron's going to lead some of that. We're going to pray for some people who have particular ministries. But tonight we want to pray for as many people who want to come. Not just to be healed up from all the sort of little difficulties that you've had over the last couple of years, but to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to be sent out for his glory again. So the first point I want to make is you don't have to be fixed and sorted to do it. Disciples were all over the place, confused, fearful, anxious, not knowing quite what to do, but Jesus says, it's you. So you might not be fixed or sorted, but it's you that Jesus wants to empower and send out. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Secondly, you don't have to depend on your own resources to go on Christ's mission. You see, that's another lie. You're not good enough. You haven't got it all together. You don't know enough. You know, Moses had all of those things. And God said, get over yourself, Moses. Get out and do the job. And God wants to say that to us uh, as well. 
What's that in your hand? Go in the strength that you have. You remember these phrases that come out in the Scripture. Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, come back and receive some more tonight. We haven't got time to pray for everybody because we've got a program this morning and this afternoon. But you can come tonight and get you know, a fresh impartation in breathing of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, you have a ministry of forgiveness to offer to others. Not law, not rules, not principles, but forgiveness and love, and you start with Jesus. So what's God looking for post-resurrection? Here we are, post the resurrection weekend. A fresh sense of commissioning. Well, we will commission together a few specific people this morning, but all of us. Because really the church is not about leaders. It's not just about the 12. It's about the 72. Where'd they come from? Goodness only knows. Uh, but they're part of the fighting force. Jesus is fighting force. A wave of people to be sent out for him. A fresh apostolic impetus. God wants you to be an apostolic church. Uh, a people who understand you're sent to people around you empowered by the Holy Spirit, and a fresh sort of openness of culture. See, the, the thing about these disciples is they were feeling defensive, so they locked the doors. Church has been on the defensive too long, and we need to unlock the doors, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and show kindness. I met with a bunch of leaders in the UK of in the month of January, these were senior leaders from lots of churches. And, you know, we've all been through this turbulence over the last couple of years. It's been very difficult. And we sort of said to one another, what do we think this world really needs more than anything else at the moment? And the word that came out more than anything else was kindness. This world needs kindness. Uh, you know, we've all had our worries and our concerns. And of course, there has been kindness shown, but it needs more kindness, more of the love of God. Fresh, fresh openness of culture, a fresh planting of cells and churches. I'll tell you what I rejoice in. Maybe some churches got shut, but lots more churches got opened in homes. This was not a period of retreat by the church, but a period of growth and expansion. And... Just because our little routines got messed up doesn't mean to say things stopped happening. God was still at work. And uh, I guess there's a fresh call to nations as well. But anyway, may God bless you. May you meet Jesus in all his risen power today. And may you be sent out into his world. Amen.